Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Some councils are auditing schools and urging a ban on the terms boy and girl. For those who are in an open or polyamorous relationship, your relationships are holy. A gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman. We don't want to just win the argument about sexuality. We want to use this as a gospel opportunity. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Does this sound effect describe you? This is Wretched Radio. Put them up. Put them up. We are told repeatedly, constantly, over and over again, repetitiously, that we've got to fight, not necessarily for our right to party, but to support a party that will implement values that are precious to us because the country is Paul Simoning right in front of our eyes, going right down that slippery slope. And you and I feel it. And there is so much that can get us agitated, isn't there? For instance, there's an organization, I think is how you pronounce it because it's French. They want to have cows, bovine, cattle, Frio, what's up with the synonyms today? They want them to wear masks and diapers to bring down methane emissions 30% by 2030. Jimmy, do you know know what you call that? What? Utter madness. Uh (laughs) It's it's kooky. It's, it's, It's just, I was reading an article last night. Oh, wish I could tell you the source of it. Eh, eh. But they were on to something. The, the premise basically was that our culture actually is exhibiting the same symptoms and signs of what the world would call mental illness. And I, I wouldn't go looking to compare how the world is manifesting its darkness in the DSM-5, but I would look at Romans 1. Their minds are darkened. And we see that, and we feel that, and we, go to the Church of England. You're going to, don't don't get your hopes up too high on this one. They just said, we are going to codify, sorry, everybody, but a marriage is between one man and one woman. But if you want to go to a civil ceremony and then come to the church, we'll bless your same-sex union. (laughs) And it just makes us want to... Fight. Turn on the TV and you are being told incessantly, fight. There's a really popular, uh, I guess, they're what are they called, these people? <laughs> they do YouTube. I'm talking about Steven Crowder. His slogan is fight like H-E double hockey sticks. Okay. That's pretty out there. Fight. Fight. We're told that from Sean. We're even told that from Tucker, who can be a gas to listen to, but he still encourages us to not stand for this madness and to fight it. And the question that the Christian should ask is, okay, how do I engage in that battle? I think we need to ask the question, first of all, what is the war? One, we are in a battle with ourselves, aren't we? To, to grow in holiness to mortify sin, to put to death the deeds of the flesh. That's the internal battle that really should be our foremost concern. Second of all, we're in a battle for truth. Third, we are in a 
spiritual battle. Those are the battles that I see the Christian is commanded to be engaged in. Not necessarily civil battles. Now, to be sure, I do believe that we have principles in the New Testament about loving our neighbor, and that can manifest itself in the political or civil arena. But the clear commands where we are told, engage in this war, contend earnestly for what? Policies? legislation? No, for the faith given once for all time. We're in a spiritual battle. So here is where we find ourselves a wee bit conflicted and very capable of falling off of one side of the Christian horse. We are told and we are whipped into a frenzy, even if the, even if the broadcaster isn't trying to get you agitated, the stories themselves can drive you Cows wearing masks and diapers? <laughs> On the other hand, we realize it's the eternal, not the temporal. It's the eternal. But temporal isn't without significance. But man, it's got me agitated. And we might be inclined to spend more time and energy in temporal disputes than in spiritual battles. How might we do both? How might we go about the business of focusing on being obedient to the commandment of our captain who says, go and make disciples and affect change in society? Now, nota bene, if you want to be involved in politics, do it. If you want to spend your time watching different news, you, I'm, not, I'm not saying that the temporal is entirely irrelevant, but I am going to suggest the eternal is far more, imp it's like eternally more important because <laughs> all of this stuff, as personal as it might feel, it's a vapor. When, when you read, for instance, when you read the book of Esther, you see these details about the king, and this was just one little thing that the king had to deal with. There were tons of stuff going on in his massive empire. We got records of that? No. You ever concern yourself with it? No. Well, maybe when you read Esther. Whoa, 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 Mordecai, they want to kill the Jews. Hold on, what's going on here? But does anybody care, really? Do you care about the legislation that was so hotly contested in the fourth century? Whatever it was, I'd have to make something up because I'm not familiar with any. Because time passes and it's gone, but eternity goes on forever. And that is why Jesus is building his church. It is a spiritual kingdom because that is the eternal reign of Jesus Christ over his people. And yet, temporal stuff, it's right there. How might we do both? I would like to suggest to you, by focusing on the spiritual, it'll take care of the temporal. In an article in the American Conservative, an article about the difference really between authoritarianism and totalitarianism, rather fascinating uh, little detail. In 1951, this is after World War II, Duffreel, we knew that, the political philosopher published The Origins of Totalitarianism. Last name is Arndt. Classic study of what happened in Germany and the Soviet Union in an attempt to understand how such radical ideologies had seized the minds of men. According to this book, 1951, the following conditions tilled the ground, readying it for poisonous ideas planted by ideological activists. Can you guess what it is? Patsy Cline. I think she sang Lonely. Lonely. No, there was Mr. Lonely. 
Well, we were singing about it in the 50s. We're feeling it in 21st century Western civilization, aren't we? And it happens that that is the modus operandi of Marxism. Now, don't worry, this isn't about Marxism. This is about how we engage in a battle against totalitarianism. The distinction this article made was authoritarianism is we just want to control you. Totalitarianism is says that we want to strip you of everything that you have formerly believed, thought, valued, worshipped, taught, gone. You'll just think the way that we do. That's totalitarianism. And in 1951, it was determined, quote, what prepares men for totalitarian domination in the non-totalitarian world is the fact that loneliness, once a borderline experience, usually suffered in certain marginal social conditions like old age, has become an everyday experience of the ever-growing masses of our century. Fast forward today, because of social media, people are so lonely. And that means they're going to go looking to fill that loneliness void somewhere. Now, they're going to look in a million places. They'll look online. They don't find it in Facebook. They're still lonely. They try pornography. They try booze. But we need human community. We need it. We must have it. Why? Because we're image bearers of the Trinitarian God who lives in community with himself. And if we don't find it in a godly prescribed, a biblically prescribed way, then the party comes in and says, be a part of us. We'll have an Olympic team that wins medals. And they use loneliness, separating people, promoting uh, individualism so that they come fleeing to the party. We grow even lonelier more isolated. It's no coincidence that millennials and Gen Z, high rates of loneliness because of social media, as well as significantly greater support for socialism. Fascinating. When people are lonely, atomized, separated, they're going to go for totalitarianism. We don't want totalitarianism. What do we do? Well, we can fight, whatever that means, Or we can engage in the spiritual battle and evangelize these lonely people. God makes them alive, and he brings them then into a community called the local church, where they're no longer lonely and they're no longer vulnerable to totalitarianism. In other words, if we engage in the spiritual battle, fight for souls, it has a temporal impact. You can't... We're in a post-Christian world, and we're seeing all of these bad ideologies supplant it. Why? Because people aren't genuinely saved. That's the battle, and it's an eternal battle. And here's the good news. If you feel like fighting temporally, and boy, do I feel that with you, fight the spiritual battle. And guess what? Even as you go about the business of engaging in an eternal battle, it will have a temporal effect. This is Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. 
We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines, not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org Bible. Thank you for joining us at Wretched Radio today. Did you know there is one simple, convenient location where we've compiled all things wretched? I'm talking about our full daily 60-minute radio programs, our full daily 30-minute TV episodes, information about our other productions like Road Trip to Truth and Transformed, and a store that contains a ton of amazing resources like Jesus Unmasked, the Drive-By series. It can all be found at wretched.org. And hey, while you're there, I would urge you to visit our donate page. There you'll find information on a lot of the questions you might have on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner. Now, if you're already a Wretched Gospel Partner, you know we humbly thank you for your efforts in helping us reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not already a Wretched Gospel Partner, talk to your spouse and then prayerfully consider partnering with us. Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 432 AD. After escaping years of slavery in Ireland as a young man, Patrick, a British Christian, returns to Ireland as a missionary. His work results in multitudes of Irish people coming to the Christian faith. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio bringing you a slew, and I mean it's a slew, a slew of entertainment stories, but because this is Christian Radio, we'll try to slap a Bible verse on it laugh riotously throughout and hope that we get good ratings. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's exactly the way so many Christian morning shows operate. Let's get to the celebrity news. Jimmy, I suspect in all your days on radio, uh-huh. you spun Natural Woman by Aretha Franklin. Is that correct, sir? Absolutely. You did not. In my early days, I did. You did. 
early days. This was like from 1967. I said in my early days of radio. What are you, 80? <laughs> no. You didn't spin natural oh, spin woman. It. I get it. I get it. Okay, no. Well, what do you what did you think I meant? I, I don't. I was using radio lingo. You should get that. <laughs> oh, wait a second. I forgot this is Christian radio. You should get that. <laughs> Jimmy, they're offended in the trans community that Aretha Franklin is singing Natural Woman because, you know, nothing better to go looking for trouble than a song from 1967. They're about as relevant as Big Eva. So, Jimmy, I've asked you to pull up the lyrics for Natural Woman so we can try to discover and unearth why exactly would the trans community be offended by this song? Because I tried to read their explanation for why they're angry, and I couldn't get it, quite honestly. So fire away, Jimmy. All right. Looking out on the morning rain, mm -hmm. I, I used to feel so uninspired. Mm. And when I knew I had to face another day, mm. Lord, it made me feel so tired. Okay, Jimmy, uh -huh. Jimmy, Jimmy, yes. Jimmy. You want me to sing it, don't you? No, I want you to pick the right. I asked you to pull Aretha Franklin's Natural Woman, and you pulled something from Hillsong. <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> oh, this is Natural Woman. It is. I'm so sorry. Carry on. Before Wait a second. <laughs> Go ahead. Before the day I met you, life was so unkind, but you're the key to my peace of mind. Because you make me feel, you make me feel, you make me feel. It is a worship song. Like a natural woman. With all the repetition you got going oh, correct. on right there. Okay, so what's the problem? It's a love song. Mm -hmm. It's the natural woman. Oh, as opposed to, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, wait a second. Hold it. They shouldn't be arguing against this because if a man actually does be, actually become a woman, isn't he now a natural woman? That's true. So is it because they, they recognize that they're actually just a surgical woman as opposed to a natural woman? Anything else? In the, like, did they say, and if you happen to be trans, well, then you're terrible and we hate you. Anything like that? No. Huh. Mm -mm. Huh. So they're upset about the natural woman business. And speaking of being upset, a lot of people still unhappy with the Amy Grant, she and her second husband, Vince Gill, they hosted a same-sex wedding on their ranch. She defended herself. People Magazine, published on Monday. Got to stay current with the People Magazine. I have to confess to you, I'm a mate. We were just actually in the grocery store. Oh, we were. <laughs> I was going to crack wise. I was going to take a cheap shot, but I'm not going to do it. What you're hearing right now is self-control. And, and just to remind you that you're hearing self-control on Christian radio. <laughs> the magazine covers Jack Nicholson. He's got to be in his 80s, isn't he? What's he doing? on a, the Elvis is still on the cover of a magazine. It's amazing how we love celebrities. Quote from A.B. Grant, I love my family. I love those brides. They're wonderful. Our family is better, and you should be able to be who you are with your family and be loved by them. Once again, it is very helpful to change one sin for another to bring clarity. I get it. They're family, and you should love them no matter what their sexuality is. It's family. We love them. But that doesn't mean that we endorse a sinful lifestyle. 
if Amy happened to have somebody in her family who was an active murderer and was going to marry another active murderer, same or different gender, doesn't matter. We just, well, let me just read her quote again. And she responded by saying, I love my family. I love these murderers. They're wonderful. Our family is better, and you should be able to be who you are with your family and be loved by them. You see, the issue isn't about love. The issue is actually about truth. And a lot of people, thankfully, came out and spoke against Amy Grant's doing what really doesn't shock anybody. Now we're going to church, Jimmy. It's a little Dolly Parton, man. I'm feeling nine to five. Last night I had a dream about God. Oh boy. He was standing on a mountain top, looking down around in such dismay. And in my dream I heard him say, Don't make me have to come down there. Church sign! My children, you have best beware. Okay, I'll tell you what I like about the song. I can understand her. <laughs> yeah. I can actually hear what she's singing about here. Kind of fire and brimstone isn't it, Dolly? I've told you time and time again. You can't disobey and hope to win. I am still the boss here in case there's any. Oh, now, I was listening to the first few verses of this in the chorus and wondered, well, what's what's she upset about that we're doing? Well, a little further down in the song, politics, earthquakes, erratic weather, pandemics, war and hate. Turn a deaf ear, a blind eye. I'm wondering whether I should take my Bible belt and whip you into shape. It's kind of a violent song for Dolly, don't you <laughs> it think? It sounds that way. She's getting warm. <laughs> She's apparently those scolding people who aren't upset about global warming and who are too upset about politics. Dolly had a movie on. Did you catch any of that, Jimmy? I did not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's just say they could have used Keanu Reeves to elevate the level of acting. That's that's what I'm saying here about that movie. Let's go to the NHL, shall we? A fellow who is a Russian Orthodox said, I'm sorry, Philadelphia Flyers. I can't participate in the LGBT Pride Night commemoration because he needs to stay true to his religion. Well, I sure hope the man believes in grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. The Russian Orthodox Church doesn't tend to. Don't ask me to try to define capital O orthodoxy, Russian, Ukrainian, or otherwise. It is a very, it's, it, it, is, it is nailing theological jello to the wall, but it's a work-based system. Let's hope this fellow believes in Jesus Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, because, well, he's going to be taking a temporal thumping, <laughs> which is precisely what he's taking these days. Let's go to TV. Let oh, Jimmy, this is exciting. Now, this is great. 
This encourages me so much that evangelicalism is making its way inroads into the Mormon church. This is from LDS Living. That would be LatterdaySaintsLiving.com. How do you use the chosen as you teach the New Testament? Well, that's, that's great that the Mormons can use an evangelical TV show and not be offended by it in any way, shape, or form. You may also like, says this website, how the hit TV series ended up being filmed on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Goshen film set. Well, that's very exciting right there to know that. <laughs> Here's how you use the Mormon version of The Chosen. The Mormon version? Yeah, just let that slide. <laughs> what parts of the script? Now, just, just think this through for a second. Let's noodle together. Why do we need a chosen Bible study? This is from the LDS. What parts of the scripture and video clip were the same? Which parts were different? Why am I studying what the Bible Jesus didn't actually say versus what he did? Why not just study what he did say? Why do you think the movie directors made the decisions they did? How would you film this scene differently? Wow, that's, that's an intense Bible study going on. What does the video add to your feelings and understanding about the scene. <sighs> Boy, it sounds like a lot of evangelical Bible studies. Nevertheless, just thought you'd, and don't forget, if you would like to be led in the Roman Catholic Rosary by the fellow who plays Jesus in The Chosen, you can just visit The Chosen website and you can pray along with Jesus as he petitions Mother Mary. Whew. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, if you didn't think our country and cancel culture was nutty already, have you ever heard someone get mad because they couldn't get mad? This person just came into the bar and said, Hey, what are your pronouns? You kind of look like a they, them. And um, I hated that they were right. So this lady, I'm assuming, I know I'm being presumptuous that this is a lady, but it looks like a woman, is upset that this person got her pronouns correct and she could not get mad at them. Makes perfect sense. Now this lady has a reason to be upset. I have a student in one of my classes that's homophobic, transphobic, sexist, um, purposefully misgenders me. Uh, back in September, I tried to get him moved to another class because it had just been an ongoing issue. And not only was he rude and disrespectful, he was just like not trying. Um, when I mentioned uh, the fact that he's misgendering me on purpose, I was told, well, some religions, you know, they don't have to do that because some religions don't agree with that. So this teacher is some upset because this kid in her class isn't buying into the gender delusion. Well, the prime minister in Japan says his country is on the brink of not being able to function as a society because of its falling birth rate. That is an issue that we've tried to talk about for quite some time. Yet here in America, we're upset because we can't murder more kids. Muslim militants were suspected in bombing a Protestant baptism service in the Democratic Republic of Congo 
that killed at least 14 worshipers earlier this month. While officials with the DRC said at least 14 died, 63 others were wounded in the blast. Officials suspect allied democratic forces being the one behind the attack. The Islamic State has claimed responsibility for the bombing as well as the allied democratic forces who are a part of the Islamic State. They claimed that nearly 20 people were killed in the blast. I guess that's boasting and bragging that they killed 20, not the original 14 that were reported. Such an evil, evil world. The DRC was ranked 37th in this year's Open Doors World Watch list of the countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian, which is up from 40th the previous year. And as we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you're continuing to pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Mexican. Faith is not a force we harness or a feeling we get. True biblical faith consists of three things. Knowledge of the truth, agreement with the truth, and a trust in the true God. There is no power in faith itself. The power is in the one we put our faith in. Are you trusting in Christ or in something that cannot deliver? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you missed the brand new Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford, I have two words for you. Boo and who. This is Wretched Radio. It's a genuine bummer. If you did not tune in, actually thousands of people did. <laughs> it's amazing. To the brand new Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford. He, of course, is the host of our TV show by the same name. Real biblical counseling, real people, real issues. You get to watch it. But now, every Saturday, we're launching a new episode of Transform Podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford. And I'd like to share it with you because, well, I have a heart of flesh. And if you are sad that you missed the podcast, I don't want you to be sad. Furthermore, I'd like to give you a little flavor of it to encourage you to subscribe to it on your Spotify, your Apple, your Google. Furthermore, I wouldn't share this if I didn't think it was helpful specifically in your striving against sin, your battle for sanctification. How do you have more victory? Take it away, Greg. Welcome to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host. Today, we're going to discuss the topic, what is the focus of your sanctification? How do we change? Do we focus on the problems and the areas of growth that we need, or do we focus on something else? You see, last episode, I taught through 2 Corinthians 3. I'd like you to grab your Bible if you can. This is the passage of Scripture where we see that Paul uses an analogy like Moses, who had to cover his face when speaking with the people of Israel. He says that we now, as Christians, through the work of God's Spirit in our life, we have an unveiled face that we can behold God. That beholding God is integral to your change. So maybe we're stuck. Maybe we sense that we can't change. Maybe we're looking for change in our circumstances, in our medications, in our relationships. And yet what's transformative is not beholding new relationships. What's transformative is beholding the glory of the Lord. That's what brings about genuine transformation and change in our life. 
So verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the emphasis of what genuine change and transformation looks like. So last episode, I said that you can, you can change. You're not stuck. That There is hope for change. And it's not because of how strong you are, or how capable you are, or how you can re-engineer your circumstances or get a better job. It's none of those things. It's because you can behold God as a Christian. The Holy Spirit has done that work in your heart. And the way you do that is through the lens of Scripture. Scripture is literally revelation of God to you. In fact, it's special revelation, meaning that God has specially revealed himself in the pages of Scripture. So when we look at how does God bring about change, he does it through revealing himself, and that revelation takes place in his word. Now, our our change gets stalled at times. You felt this way? Uh, let me tell you what it was like in the military. See, we in the military and at FedEx, you've you've worked in environments like this, I'm sure. Where when I worked in the military, we would keep track of safety. Uh, that's everything from you know you got your toe run over to actual deaths that took place on base. And outside of the base at Fort Gordon, Georgia, there was a counter, and that counter was counting how many days since an incident. So you would drive onto base, you would look over at that counter, and sure enough, it would say three days, four days. I remember it getting to the double digits, and then inevitably, through some type of incident on base, the counter would reset. That's often how we treat our sanctification. We're measuring our sanctification by when is the last time that I sinned and when is the last time that I messed up. It's actually a very defeating way to measure your sanctification because what happens over time is no longer are you thinking about the progress that's being made and the transformation that's occurring. Rather, you're looking back and saying, well, today I grumbled. Today I was rude to my spouse. Today I got angry in my heart during traffic, you know, and we begin to go through this list. That's the counter understanding. What I would propose to you is that that is a sin-focused sanctification, where instead of me focusing on God, His glory, Jesus, our Savior, I'm focusing on all the ways that I have failed today. That's extraordinarily defeating. Here's why that starts to be defeating, because inevitably I will fail today. I may actually grow in being less grumbly I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it less grumbly. I may grow and being less angry, but yet inevitably there's some other aspect of my life that's being refined and I'm growing and I need to grow. So what takes place is I still fail that day. So instead of me looking to the image of God in Jesus Christ, I look to all the sins that I've committed that day. I want to show you another passage. Hopefully you're able to keep your Bible close to you during these episodes because I'd like to both teach you Scripture and familiarize you with the Scripture. But I'd like for you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 is at the end of Hebrews 11, naturally so, right? But it's in the context of the great cloud of witnesses from chapter 11. When you have a moment, go back and read chapter 11, really verse 5, 6, and following, and you're going to see the patriarchs of the faith 
and the way that they demonstrated faith in adverse circumstances. It's all about walking by faith. In verse 6 of chapter 11, says that those that come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. And the author of Hebrews then enumerates all the examples of what that's looked like throughout redemptive history. And then when you get to chapter 12, verse 1, the author says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want to pause there and and do my best to explain. So in light of chapter 11, therefore, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Maybe you had the chance to be in a stadium. I've been to one professional game, one um, baseball game. I've been to the Dodgers. I've been to the Braves. I've been to collegiate football and when you enter into a stadium, it's it's designed in such a way that all of the seats are facing inward. They're looking at the field of play, whether it's the baseball diamond, whether it's the football field, whether it's a basketball court, whatever it is. That's the imagery that's being conjured up here, that we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses from chapter 11, and that you and I in the Christian walk are running a race. That may not be something that brings you great excitement. You may not be a marathoner. I'm not a marathoner. But we do at least understand the imagery here, that we're surrounded by these witnesses, that these fans are in the stadium, and they're cheering us on, and we have a race that's set before us. It's interesting because that idea of a race is used to communicate what your Christian life is like. And and James 1 verse 12 says that you will receive a crown if you persevere in this life. Second Timothy chapter four, Paul says that he has run the race, that it's done for him. He recognizes his race is coming to an end. And here in verse one, this imagery of a race is put before the recipients of this letter. So let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. I like to look at different translations of the scripture as I'm studying And one of the ways that this will be translated by the King James is a besetting sin, a sin that clings closely. Think of running with clothes that are wet. If you were running with clothes that are wet, they would stick to you. They would make it somewhat cumbersome. Uh, Not only would it begin to irritate you, but it would slow you down. This is the idea of being willing to rid yourself of sin that clings to you. But yet the author of Hebrews isn't saying, let us focus on the sin that clings to us so closely. Uh, No, rather, it's let's eradicate and get rid of any type of sin that would hinder this walk, hinder this race, hinder this run. So verse 1 is entirely about helping the context of chapter 11 come to life, where the author of Hebrews is saying, look, in your race, in your sanctification, as you're looking for progression in the faith, remember that you have this entire stadium of witnesses that have been faithful, and you can be faithful too. They are cheering you on, so to speak. So eradicate sin. Be willing to put it off. Don't run with those wet clothes on that cling so closely to you. They will slow you down and irritate you. Verse 2, what is the focus of your race? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What is your focus in this race? It's not the wet clothes that are clinging so closely to you. It's Christ. That 
is good stuff, isn't it? Mrs. Friel and I were listening to it in the car. We arrived at our destination and we just sat there in neutral. I want to hear the rest of this. And if you'd like to hear the rest of uh, that, two episodes are up. There will be one coming every single Saturday. Outstanding Dr. Greg Gifford, professor of biblical counseling at the Masters University, the Transform podcast. Find it wherever you do your podcast business. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. You will be strengthened. This is Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. (laughs) Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. If you happen to miss the debut of the Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford, here's what you missed. If God revealing himself is transformative, well, then how do I practically see God? The good news is you can listen anytime you want at transform.org slash podcast or any podcast platform. Brand new episodes debut every Saturday morning with Dr. Gifford tackling issues that we all encounter, but using only the Bible as the salve. It's biblical counseling. It's transformed, and it will take you from brokenness to wholeness. Transformed and all of our resources are only possible because of the generosity of our gospel partners. I encourage you to head over to wretched.org donate if you're not already a Wretched Gospel Partner. That's where you'll find answers because I know you have questions. That's wretched.org donate. And don't forget to check out the Transformed Podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford anywhere podcasts are heard. Typical radio commercials will have one big shebang, the opening line. Do we have your attention now? This particular commercial has eight. Have we got your attention now? MediShare, affordable biblical health sharing, will save the average family $500 per month. Second, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to typical health insurance. Double, that's that's times two if you weren't homeschooled. A massive network of providers to choose from. MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. They've been around for 25 years. $4 billion in healthcare bills have been shared. If you call them now, you will save on the joining fee. They're going to erase it. That's another $170. This is a limited time offer, which means make it snappy. Call 1-844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Did I mention 844-34-BIBLE to get your MediShare quote in under two minutes? Titles of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the bread of life 
Just as God gave life to His people in the desert by providing manna, so Jesus gives life to His people through His body broken on the cross, which we remember in the breaking of the bread in communion. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you haven't read 1 Peter as of late, you might want to get on it. This is Wretched Radio, not one... Not two, but three stories that indicate you and I do well to get ready for persecution. There are a number of books in the Bible that address this subject. The book of James, it is addressed to people who are scattered. What does James tell them? Does he encourage them and give them strategies to resist the tyrants? No, he teaches them how to be godly, how to get along, how to tame their tongue, how to pray. It's very practical, and it's interesting that it doesn't include any admonitions to fight. The book of Revelation, it is also a book of persecution. When John wrote this book, he was responding to the Christians who were asking the beloved elder, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? They're hammering us. And he tells them to look up and see that Jesus Christ is in charge. Don't take the sword from the civil magistrate. Jesus is returning with the sword coming out of his mouth. Be encouraged. It's just going to go on for a little while. And the book of 1 Peter bangs that theme over and over again. And you and I would do well to read it with our families. Talk through it with our families. You will see the outline in 1 Peter is unmistakable how he lays the book out. If you would like a tool and an aid in doing that, just go to wretched.org slash persecution and you can stream it. I, Jimmy, how many, do you know how many lectures it was on 1 Peter? Like 6, 8, 10, something like that? It, it, yeah, it looks like 12. Okay, oh, like I said, 12. 12 <laughs> lectures on 1 Peter that will help you walk through the book and be prepared for persecution. Why? Whew, the animosity of a godless world. It is not just on the surface. It is on TV. This is Canadian broadcasting. It's a morning show. The woman host is asking a fellow, I get maybe he's a commentator, he's a journalist, it doesn't matter, he's on Canadian broadcasting TV in the morning responding to the Philadelphia Flyer, who is a Russian Orthodox who said, I'm sorry, I can't wear the pride patch for LGBT evening. Listen to this fellow respond. You're going to hear anger and you're going to hear a fair amount of irony. The theme from the National Hockey League is hockey is for everyone. (laughs) That's ironic. Hey, hockey's for everyone except for that Russian Orthodox dude who won't put the patch on. The theme is not hockey's for everyone, dot, 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 unless you don't believe in gay rights, then do whatever you want. (laughs) Okay, that's just pretty nonsensical. But for the, I wonder if the reason that he paused is because he actually smelled the irony he was producing. <laughs> if the National Hockey League is going to do this, if any league is going to do this, do it properly or reevaluate what you're doing. Because there's not a lot of repercussions that I'm seeing from any league. Now, it could change with the NHL. Now, what he's saying is you mandate it. Mandate it. Get them in line. Do it right could change with the NHL. I think you find the Flyers a million dollars for this. I'm not kidding. 
Wow. Because the flyers were, we got to let the guy believe what he wants to believe. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to somehow tell him he can't practice his religion, even on the rink by wearing a patch. This guy says they should be fined a million bucks for that. Figure this out and stop offending people on nights where it's not about that. It's supposed to be about inclusivity. (laughs) Except for you Christians. The National Hockey League need to attack this and figure this out. Because what I heard last night was offensive and didn't make any sense. He just said he couldn't endorse that lifestyle by wearing a patch. In fact, he didn't even say that much. He was pretty disciplined. The the sports interviewers were all over. Hey, tell about him. All I'm going to say is my religious beliefs do not permit me to do that. Got any questions about hockey? That's all he said. This guy's apoplectic. He was offended. Because, for instance, if that was a military night. Were. Okay. Right. If anyone in Canada or in the States on a military appreciation night wouldn't wear a jersey pregame, do you have any idea the uproar that would have happened on that? Well, that's speculation, and the individual would have the right to do that. That's the whole point of this whole kooky freedom of speech and religion business. Do you have any idea the backlash? Do you have any idea what happened on social media? It's it's, it's ridiculous. You know what? And, and if social media wants to backlash, that's fine. Uh, if a hockey player doesn't want to wear a military, which they would never do, incidentally, but if they didn't want to wear it, then let social media shellack him. That's that's how it's supposed to work. But he gets to say it. He gets to believe it. Well, it was just a minute ago we were talking about the uproar that was happening with FIFA fever, where it's, if you were seen with so much as yeah. a rainbow anywhere, you had to fear for your life, imprisonment, or death. Yeah. Seriously. So and now here we are. And so they're 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 turning the tables. That's evidence number one. You need to be reading the book of First Peter. Let's go to Great Britain, shall we? The sound is a little windy, but a man was silently praying in the street because he had participated in the abortion of his son with his girlfriend 22 years ago. So he was standing in the place where he participated in that act to pray and the police stop him. Now, to their credit, they're they're rather polite. I, I, I give them credit for that, but... They're actually telling them you do not have the right to pray in front of an abortion clinic because in Great Britain, they've set up these safety zones. And if you do anything that indicates that you are opposed to them, well, that's against the law. He's been issued a fine. Wow. Because of breaches of the PSPO. It includes graphic, verbal or written means, prayer or counseling criminalizing an act or even an attempted act of approval, disapproval with respect to issues related to abortion services by any means. So you pray near an abortion clinic and you get this. We just wanted to sort of come over to say hello in the first instance, but also just inquire to your activities. Yeah, okay. Very, uh, sorry about the wind. Well, I'm praying. Um, Just for your awareness, you are in an area which is governed by a public space protection order. I don't know if you're aware. I am aware. Public space protection order. Public space protection order. Again, this police officer, she's polite throughout. And the gentleman, by the way, who I believe is a military vet, very polite in response. Um, They also call it a safe zone. There are signs located in the area, uh, just to make you aware of that and the area where certain activities are. Sure, yeah. In terms of that, um, 
can I ask what is the, the nature of your prayer today? What are you praying today? <laughs> wow. What? He wasn't praying out loud. He was silently praying. And what's going on in your head, said George Orwell. What is the nature of that? I'm praying for my son. I, I don't want to pray, but I don't want to sort of... Um, yeah, you do. You yeah. But, um, sure. Uh, at the same time, it would be most of me to sort of yeah. not mention me, like I said, the area of the Yeah, you can tell this poor woman, she seems very kind. And she's put in a terrible situation of shutting down a guy from praying because of this rim around the abortion center to keep everybody safe. The police now want to know what you're praying inside of your head. This isn't the first story. I believe there was one in December where this very same thing happened. I think she was actually arrested. You need the book of First Peter. Story number three, to Malta we go, which I thought was kind of a drag because a number of years ago, a Christian from Malta contacted us and said, could we translate don't stub your toe into Maltese? I'm sorry if that isn't the right way to say your language. And we, gave, of course, gave them permission to do that. And they did. And they're distributing don't stub your toe in Malta. But in the meantime, Zoink Scoob, a fellow who did a podcast, is facing charges for sharing his testimony about finding freedom in Christ from his past lifestyle. Can you guess which lifestyle that is? For promoting conversion practices, he faces up to five months in prison and $5,500 in fines if convicted. Wow. He shared his story about his childhood and the confusion he had experienced when it came to his own sexuality and relationships. He spoke about how as an adult, he had been involved in homosexual relationships before becoming a Christian, which changed his life dramatically. He doesn't agree with the term conversion therapy. Now, I don't know all of the details of what the fellow believes. The moral of this story is when somebody gets converted, then they go to work mortifying their sins, even the desires, the proclivity, and the inclination, because that too is a sin that needs to be mortified. This guy is facing fines for that. Article 3 of the Affirmation of Sexual Orientation, Gender, and Gender Expression Act. <laughs> what is that? Quote, it shall be unlawful for you to perform conversion practices, to promote it, to encourage it. And other countries have followed, including UK and Australia. Moral to the story, if you haven't read First Peter or James or the book of Revelation lately, you might want to start. And you can get our walkthrough of First Peter at wretched.org slash persecution. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.